Welcome to Making Data Better, a podcast about data quality and the impact it has on how we protect, manage, and use the digital data critical to our lives. I'm George Peabody, partner at Lockstep Consulting, and thanks for joining us. With me is Lockstep founder, Steve Wilson. Hi, Steve. Good night, George. How are you? I'm doing very, very well. So a lot of fun today and an important topic because I have to say, as an American, I'm having a great time watching the evolution of the of digital identity work in Australia, your country, compared to the US where, look, we've got lots of smart people, as we heard from Jeremy Grant in an earlier episode, but it's fairly uncoordinated the thinking about how to handle the problem and task of uh, online identification. In Australia, we have the federal government, you've got some of the, the, the states working more or less in harmony around this problem of digital identity and data breaches, because a lot of that has happened, of course, over the last couple of years. So well done, Steve. I'm glad, glad we're having this conversation about what's happening in Australia. Yeah, and you know, Australia's been part of an international effort for, for, I think, 25 years with the Five Eyes countries, the US, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, the UK. We've had different legislative models for digital identity for the last 20 years. I think that what we have in Australia now is the third draft bill that we've had in 10 years. So we've been working on this for a long time, a lot of smart people. I think the significant thing that's happened in Australia is a shift in perspective from digital identity, which is uh, amorphous and contested and organic and personal and just like real world identity. And there's a shift here. I think it's a deliberate shift to the term digital ID, which might sound like we're splitting hairs or playing word games, but should we unpack that right now? Yes, let's do it. Because again, I've observed the same thing that in the the documents have been released from the federal government and 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 from a natural, national Australia bank. You know, they've abandoned that term, digital identity, in in, in favor of, of of digital ID. So yeah, unpack that for us. And that shift is not an accident. Um, we know from talking with NAB that it's a deliberate shift. Digital identity appears to be the digital version of identity. Now, I don't want to get into a whole lot of glossary terminology and definitions and be too semantic about this. I just want to speak about how we tend to use these terms. So identity, who am I, what makes me me, digitizing that, of course, is an impossible problem. It means different things to different people. Technologists fatally use the term digital identity in different ways. There's a range of dictionary definitions and and they don't line up. So that's a problem to start with. Digital ID, on the other hand, you know, what is an ID? If if I ask you, George, for an ID, maybe I'm a barman and I'm asking you to prove your age, then you'll know what to do. Uh, If you're a student and we ask you for your ID, you'll know what to do. If you're visiting somebody, um, say you're, you're visiting your own company, the office in Australia, and the security person says, hey, Mr. Peabody, show us your ID, you'll know that it's an employee ID. So we casually use the term ID. We know what it means. There's lots of them. There's driver's licenses, passports, birth certificates, Medicare cards. They're all IDs. Digital ID, guess what? It's just the digitized fact, the digitized attribute 
Now, there's a, name, a number of technologies that, that make the presentation of those IDs more or less secure, and we can come to that. The important thing about the Australian legislation is that it's just settled on the term digital ID. Um, it's not about identity. And that's super important because, you know, for 20 years we've been invariably led down the path of a new universal way of proving who you are. And and that is so problematic. I, I don't need to go there. I don't think I need to tread that ground again. We know that a universal digital identity, certainly in the US, Australia, the UK, it, it's not even frowned upon. It's taboo. And I don't think we need it. The greatest news in all of this is that we don't need it. Exactly. It would simply be yet another attribute when we already have attributes in abundance that have been uh, developed and put it and put out in the world because they have particular use cases, particular contexts. And yes, we have IDs like a driver's license that gets used in other contexts, you know, arguably appropriately or not. You know, I have to show my ID to the barman to prove I'm over 21, he actually sees where I live and my name and all of that, which is none of none of their business. I can imagine that with the right development, the right user experience design, that it would actually be possible to walk into a bar and show my smartphone and that would just tell the barman, yeah, this guy's over 21. And beyond that, he doesn't need to know a thing about me. Piece of cake. Right. Piece of cake. So Technologically, so easy. Yeah. So that's that's really around. We're creating a digital ID, or we need a digital ID, or we need a collection of digital IDs, these individual facts, for individual use cases. You know, if you're opening a bank account, you need a, a collection, or the rather the bank needs a collection of digital IDs attributes about you in order to make a risk decision to whether to bring you on as a customer or not. And I think that what the government in Australia has latched on to, so remember we've had the world's biggest data breaches as you know on a prorated basis in the last two years in Australia. And everybody's driver's license number is assumed to now be stolen. Um, some of the state governments responded to these breaches by giving you a free option to renew your driver's license. But oh my God, um, it was the proper response, but let's let's play a long game. Are we going to re renew our driver's license every time there's another data breach? Of course not. The problem is not the driver's license itself. The problem is the replayability of the number. And we have this bad habit of plain text presentation of all of those IDs. Now, I think the Australian government has rethought this with some clarity and some precision and said, you know what the problem with identity crime. Identity crime is not identity theft or identity theft doesn't steal anybody's identity. It's it's just a catch-all for what's actually data theft. So we don't have an identity problem. We have a data problem. And if we could make those IDs more reliable so that they can't be stolen and reused behind our backs, but instead of being presented in plain text, these IDs are presented cryptographically or using mobile technology, that would solve the identity crime problem without any new universal identity. So it's a it's a really clean reframing of the problem that we need to solve. I, I I'm, uh, yeah, you know I like that because adding any other attributes, or indeed just building higher security walls or 
what we see in regulators doing all the time is demanding that those enterprises that store data about us put higher walls and stronger walls around them. But the problem is that's that's really a, a very a- difficult task, and it's 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 all we're doing is is repeating the processes that ultimately really haven't worked for the last two decades. So it's a futile arms race expecting people exactly. to take this data. We should we should make the data less radioactive and less usable to, to criminals. And uh, I think that that's the opportunity we've got in front of us with digital ID in Australia. Well, the good news is that we've as a society, we've we've done this before. If you look at what the payment card industry did with uh, its EMV chip cards, what that put in place was running along with every payment transaction, there is now a piece of um, cryptographically encoded data that gets sent to the issuer of the bank, the issuing bank of that card. And that assures that the issuing bank, uh, to the issuing bank, that it is indeed their card, the card that they put in the hands of their cardholder, as opposed to, and this was designed, of course, to replace what we now think of as a plain text data problem that came off of uh, the MagStripe, the back of the of the cards, that MagStripe could be copied over and over again. And what the card industry did was put a little bit of intelligence in those microchips, a little more intelligence in the terminals that read them, and then, of course, intelligence in the back end at the issuing bank to really provide a mechanism for device presented or device assisted presentation of data as opposed to just presentation of plain text. So I think what you're saying is, and I know what you're saying perfectly well, that what you're saying is we should be doing the same thing for all these other digital IDs or all the all yep. these other IDs to make them securely digital. Yep, we've done it before. I think if you go all the way back to the paper credit cards of the 1950s and then plastic cards, you know, embossed cards in the in the 60s and 70s, magnetic stripe cards, chip cards, and now mobile phones, the, the account right. number is the same. It's the same data. It's a 16-digit primary account number. Yeah. It's the same data all the way through. For 70 years, it's been the same data, but we've made the data better by presenting it now. We present it with the assistance of a chip. So two chips talk to each other, the chip in your card or your phone, the chip in the merchant terminal. They know that this is genuine data. Um, and as you say, there's a little bit of cryptography, a little bit of a code goes with the, the core data to prove that the core data has come from a real bank and it's been presented with the consent of the cardholder. So... Exactly. I mean, just to just to really ran the point home, if you took your Medicare card or your driver's license or your employee ID and used that same cryptographic trick so that it wasn't plain text anymore, but it was it was device assisted. I sincerely believe this is going to sound over the top, but we could we could do the same thing to identity crime today as what we did to card crime 10 to 15 years ago. You could cut it by, I don't know. Let's let's model it, George. But you could cut it by seventy or eighty percent in a in a couple of years, and uh, you would then neutralise the black market in stolen data. Most data breaches now are driven by criminals. They're, they're done by organised crime. They have incredible resources, incredible guile to break into Optus and to break into Medibank Private and to break into the social administration of the United States. 
you can't stop these criminals. What you can do is you can remove the, the incentive by making the data um, so much better that it's useless to criminals. And I think that that's, that, that is the way that we seem to be thinking about digital ID in Australia now. And, you know, compared to where we were even 10 or 15 years ago, we actually have the back-end technology, but we also have in the hands of virtually every citizen the device that can store a digital ID or a collection of digital IDs. That that device also manages and creates a user experience and guides the user experience for the sharing of those digital IDs. So in other words, we've got we've got the tools to put this kind of device-assisted presentation in place across all the IDs that we need to be able to share in our day-to-day lives. Not to say it's not a lot of work. (laughs) Yeah. Look, um, the latest figures from the Reserve Bank of Australia um, show that 35% of card payments are now done via mobile wallets. So that idea of um, tap to pay or click to pay it is so habituated now. I think George, you you talk about the pattern. There's a there's a, a, a consumer pattern. We know how to use this technology. That proportion of the population that's comfortable with this stuff now is is rising. It could be 50, 60, 70 percent in a couple of years' time. Yeah. So why don't we just abstract that? If you can click to pay, then you should be able to click to prove your ID, um, any ID, and and you put it in a wallet. People people are familiar with that presentation now. Such a powerful, latent superpower that we've all now got in our pockets. And those credentials could be released either in an operating system level wallet, a a third-party wallet that contains multiple credentials. Or, you know, over 15 years ago, I did some research about how many apps are customers willing to use to affect their payments. And it turns out it was a, a fairly large number. And and the reason is, is we know which app we want to use to get a particular job done. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like we know which, prior to that, we, we knew full well which card to pull out of our wallet in order to either make a payment or, as you said earlier, to present our, our employee ID to get access to the building. We know what we need to use. We have a, pretty much a fairly unencumbered device in order to store and present credentials. I know we're going to be talking about the digital wallet evolution uh, in an upcoming episode. So why why don't we leave it there, Steve? This is exciting. There's definitely the opportunity to make data better here. Yeah, thanks, George. It was your idea to have this quick podcast. We're, We're breaking our normal format and just having a chat between the two of us. But we've all been reading a lot of press reports in the last few weeks and a lot of um, well-meaning confusion about what is the digital ID and what's a digital identity and how does this matter. So I hope that what we've done now is to is to position this and show how that shift is, is subtle but, but really important. And um, it allows us to conserve the IDs that we've already got. It makes that data better and it makes it easy to, to present. I think that we could be using these IDs just as safely and as quickly and as easily as we use our, our virtual credit cards. All right, Stephen. Thanks a lot. See you next time. Cheers, George. Take care. See you soon.